You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday to you. We've got kind of a blend a blend episode for you here on Friday afternoon. We're waiting to be joined here by Jonathan DeLong of Cat Scratch Reader, which is another great, great name. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The NFC South, man. They're, they're just like, yeah, they're on it. That is the exact thought I had on my ride home before going on the, on the air, John. I was like, dude, God, I... I mean, not that Cincy Jungle is a bad name, but it, it's a good name. We like it. But, I mean, man, those those teams in the NFC South, they know how to rock it. But I am Anthony Cazenza. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. And it is John Sheeran flanking me and bringing the knowledge as usual. We're going to be uh, doing some listener questions in the interim while we wait for Jonathan here. So we'll do some listener questions. And then we will also have, uh, hopefully, a preview for you, getting you prepped for week nine. John, how's your week going, bud? My week's going good, dude. NFC NFC games are always fun for me because when we do articles on the website, we usually take pictures from the last time that the Bengals played the NFC team. Usually it's four years in the past. So I'm looking at uh, the post that you put up on Cincy Jungle. And if you guys have a question, be sure to leave it in the live comments on the Cincy Jungle article on that page. And I'm looking at the picture that you used and just looking at the players who are on the Bengals at this time. You have Uzama, Bobby Hart, Alex Redman, Trey Hopkins and Clint Bowling are the only players that I see visible. And it's like, wow, four years is a long time because, I mean, wow. <laughs> well, I mean, this show, we we had to so, show some love to Alex Redman, right? I mean, we always right. got to show some love to Alex Redman here. Yeah, I mean, you go through, you know, it's funny. We For those who don't know. Um, when we go through the um, when we go through the pictures and whatnot of of stories to, to use and stuff, we uh, you know, we, we there's a back catalog and some of them since these two teams just don't play each other very often, not even in the preseason. It's like, man, the, the, the pictures you grab for some of the stories and stuff are like, whoa, uh, that guy's not in the team anymore. That guy's not in the team anymore. It's it's kind of crazy. But we're going to we're going to get some questions here going. You can get in touch with us. Nine, four, nine, five, four, two, six, two, four, one. Call or text. You can email the OB insider at uh, gmail.com and you can leave your uh, your your questions for us on the live YouTube chat, the live Facebook stream that's going and or on Twitter. So get those to us. The super chats through YouTube get precedence overall because those are helping out the Pollock Family Foundation. In case you hadn't heard, givesendgo.com slash Pollock Family Foundation is the website that we have worked to create uh, with them. We're, we're aiding them 
and um, doing a lot of great community work. So your super chats will continue to go to them. Pretty cool. Pretty cool thing there. Um, also really cool news, John. It was the, what was it? The Hayden Hurst salute to service, right? He's, he's kind of the representative of the Bengals who was nominated. So kudos on him. Yeah, he does a lot of work with uh, promoting and spreading awareness for mental health as he has gone through his own mental health journey. Mm -hmm. So it's a great way for him to kind of spotlight the work that he's been doing there and just a great week for the NFL in general. It is. It is. Uh, And while that is a good thing going on with the Bengals and the NFL, the thing that is not going well, John, and this is, I guess, where we can start Jeremiah Woolsley saying injuries are stacking up. I hope we don't get... Uh, any more of our depth uh, on the on the D line is thin. So obviously the news today, um, we can kind of talk about this uh, more of a comment than a question, but we can still talk about it here. The Bengals, um, uh, you know, we we talked Wednesday night and we were like, hey, Mike Hilton should be fine. It's a finger, you know, blah blah blah. Um, not so much the case. He is going to be out now on Sunday, and it looks like Eli Apple is coming back. So your starting corners now are Cam Taylor Britt, Eli Apple. Then you will have Jalen Davis playing slot corner. And um, from there, then we also will have, um, you know, Dax Hill getting in the mix there. So that is uh, a little bit of a precarious situation here as we head into this one um, and, and I don't know, man, uh, a lot of unfamiliar faces. And we're going to talk to Jonathan in just a minute about that. A lot of unfamiliar faces on both sides of the sidelines this week. Yeah. You would think that this would be the ideal week to have both your first and second round picks starting at the same time. You have Dax Hill as a slot cornerback for the, for the most part in his time in Michigan, but he will continue to be one of the first defensive backs off the bench. in this one, Jalen Davis has, a couple of years of experience on him. They might trust him to just manage the starting role better, but I can't imagine that that leash is particularly long. If Davis doesn't perform up to standard, uh, Hill has the ability to fill in at multiple spots. So his depth in that regard is still very valuable. But yeah, Taylor Britt will be starting opposite side of Eli Apple, who he took that starting job technically against the Falcons. And then I don't even know if that would have been the case against the Browns had Apple had been healthy, but whatever the case may be, Eli Apple had his reps kind of diminished in the past couple of weeks, got injured. Now he's back on the field because, you know, he has to be like Chidabay Woozy is out until the next summer. So you have a lot of death issues at cornerback. Like, I mean, defensive tackle, obviously, DJ Reader and Josh Tupo, they're still out. They might not come back until after the bye. So you still have a platoon of guys like J2 Fele and maybe Dominique Davis gets upped from the practice squad once again to provide depth at nose tackle. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of bodies being used on defense right now. A lot of bodies being used, so get uh, get your questions collected here, and uh, we'll we'll get back to them now because I believe we have Jonathan. I don't know if we have his video. We don't have a picture of him, but Jonathan, I, I, do we have your audio? Are you with us? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. How you doing, yeah, bud? Sorry about that. I was trying to get the video, but I don't know why my webcam's not. <laughs> That's all right. Who's that working? That's all right. But we appreciate you joining us, and you know, a pretty big week uh, coming up here. These two teams are not familiar with each other so much um especially with all of the trades and stuff going on here wait just real quick um if you would maybe get us up to speed a little bit on the health of the panthers going on it going into this week i know obviously no more mccaffrey and they've made a change of quarterback so there's a lot of new faces there but if you could and would could you get us up to speed on where the panthers are 
injury wise and maybe some of the players that are mm-hmm. stepping into certain roles this week? So the the I, I think the one that most people will probably be the most interested in and the thing that people probably know to an extent is Baker Mayfield, the starting quarterback coming into the season has been hurt. I think uh, I don't really know. They've been unclear on like the status, like his health status, but it's, it, he's been like active. He's been the backup. So uh, it's, it's not a health thing anymore. PJ Walker is the starting quarterback on performance alone. Um, otherwise the, the Panthers are missing Chuba Hubbard. Who's essentially the backup running back behind Deontay Foreman at this point. Uh, and then Richard Higgins and Justin Burris in the secondary, which, uh, so starting safety and a, and a, or starting safety and a starting and like a depth wide receiver. So they're, they're relatively healthy for this point in the season. Um, and none of like the big names are really out. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a kind of a crazy past couple of weeks for the <laughs> Panthers. You have a head coach who probably never should have been hired in the first place, fired with like five or whatever years left on his deal. And then you have, like you said, the quarterback situation unfolding like it is. Philip Walker is such a phenomenal story in his own right. And I'm curious just from your perspective, how he's performed under these circumstances. And honestly, like, has the offense really changed in terms of, like, style and play calling and design? Or is he just executing the offense so much better than Baker Mayfield? Uh, it's a little of both. Uh, in the first game that Walker started against the Rams, uh, he didn't attempt to pass, pass the line of scrimmage until late in the third quarter. Um, and that he threw it, like, five yards out of bounds. <laughs> so it was, like, it was not even close. Um, since then, they've kind of opened things up. Uh, Walker's a much... I think, I I think you could say he's a similar, like theoretical quarterback to Baker Mayfield in that like he likes to, to take shots down the field, he likes to push the ball down the field, um, but Walker kind of has like this, uh, which I think you kind of want to call irrational confidence, and that it's it's kind of like the opposite so with Baker. What we've seen all season was that Baker is was just very hesitant. He's real quick to look down to the pass rush. He's real quick to bail on the pocket. Uh, real quick to tuck it and run or start running around trying to make a play and not trusting what he was seeing. Uh, PJ Walker trusts everything he sees and he just lets, he just slings it. Um, he coming into the season, I think had like two touchdowns to nine interceptions passing, but uh, he tra- he trusts his arm. And when it's, when he's on, it looks like the Buccaneers game and like the second half of the Falcons game. And he can, he can push the ball downfield and make some plays. Talking with Jonathan DeLong of the Cat Scratch Reader. By the way, Jonathan, how do you do you love the the title of the, the blog <laughs> that you write for? I mean, I, we were just saying, man, between the yeah. Falcoholic and your guys' side, it's it's unbelievable. And FC South's got some pretty good uh, yeah. blog names, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. It's it's funny because I think we we have like it's been around so long, and I've been associated with it for so long that I forget like what the pun is. But it is a pretty pretty great pun for for it's the a name. Good one. It's a good one yeah. to be sure. Um, well, I, you know, I, I want to ask you about this. I mean, I've, uh, John knows, and our listeners probably know that uh, I actually, I live in Southern California, so I've watched a lot of USC football. So obviously I've been keeping a little bit of tabs on Sam Darnold. Uh, my mm-hmm. understanding is that he is now on IR. Uh, I think it's an, a lingering ankle issue that's bugging him. And that's kind of given Walker the opportunity to start here as well as Mayfield struggling and whatnot. But I mean, is this is Carolina basically committed this year to Walker starting out the rest of the year, even if losses continue to pile up, or are they going to try and give Sam Darnold one more shot for a career renaissance if and when he comes back late this season? 
I I think Walker there is Walker's job to lose now. Um, so I think so Darnold has been if I don't if I'm not mistaken he's able to practice again and he's able to come off IR. It's it's more a matter of like he's not needed right now. Um, so I I think I think he's probably next in line when he's healthy. If like if he gets healthy after PJ Walker, you know the magic runs out. Uh, I think Sam Donald's the next one to get another shot because I think Baker Mayfield, that kind of, not that Sam Donald was any better last year, but I think Baker Mayfield had his like this season shot. And now we have a new coaching staff, a new play caller. I think if stuff goes south with PJ Walker, I think Sam Donald's probably the next one that gets a shot. Cause there's, there's really no benefit to bringing Baker back into the fold at this point. Like they're, uh, they're two and six. The, they're not going anywhere. They're going to need to get a long-term quarterback anyway. So I think Sam Donald's next in line if PJ Walker fails, but it's PJ Walker's job to lose right now. Like if he keeps playing well, they're not going to take him out for either of the backup quarterbacks. Yeah, I saw a clip from Panthers practice the other day, and it was titled "Baker Mayfield throws a dime," and he ends up throwing <laughs> it like ten feet over the net in the back corner of the end zone. So, I mean, at least against the Bengals, Baker Mayfield's good. So I don't know if that was a conversation to be had this week about who's starting quarterback, but I mean, yeah. He apparently that was like a joke from a beat reporter. I hope like, so. Uh, yeah. yeah, like Baker Mayfield intentionally uh, airmailed the pass to to into like the media little media scrum that was over there. Uh, cool. And I just double checked. Sam Darnold did return to practice a couple weeks ago. Okay, so so, so he's who, um he's eligible to return at any point. Basically, he has like one more week for them to activate him. Gotcha. So whoever the quarterback is, though this. This offense is interesting for me to dive into because coming out of Maryland, (laughs) DJ Moore, like I remember looking at his production compared to the rest of his offense's production. He was like not not just the main target, like it was entirely DJ Moore, like at his best at Maryland. And now I'm looking at his production this year. He has 59 targets and the next closest Panther is Shai Smith with 18. How has that distribution been unfolding as these games going on? Like is DJ Moore just like, the most busiest receiver in the NFL, or is it a little more nuanced than that? No, it's, I mean, the other, it was always, it was Christian McCaffrey before that. Right. Right. So, and, and Robbie Anderson. So I think Robbie Anderson got a few more targets than DJ Moore early in the season. And then, you know, the Rob, I don't know what you guys know about the Robbie Anderson situation, but he's not here anymore after having right. a fight with the coaching staff on the sideline a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, and other than that, the for most of the the time that Christian McCaffrey's been here, I think whoever's been the coach has been so enamored with how good he is that the entire offense is built around like we just got like why would we give it to anyone else? Christian McCaffrey's the best player on the team with the ball in his hands, so it's just been like force feeding touches to him. Um, with Anderson out of the fold and with Christian McCaffrey out of here, uh, DJ Moore has rec- has taken that target like you were saying, John. Like what he did at Maryland, we're basically now the entire offense is based around we just force feed DJ more the ball on almost every pass play. Talking with Jonathan DeLong of the Cat Scratch Reader. I almost say fever every time I say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I used to do that too when I first like <laughs> found the site, but then like now I forget that, it, like I said, it's, I forget that it's even like a song. Uh, I almost do it every time, but uh, happy to have him with us talking some Panthers, Bengals going forward here. Um, uh, so... Uh, look, I mean, we talked a little bit about Darnold and his future with with the Panthers. I asked this question of one of your colleagues over at, at your website there mm-hmm. and in the five questions with the enemy, but I'd love to get your thoughts on it too. 
you know, Steve Wilkes has experience in the league and he is the interim guy right now. Is is he also auditioning for a potential spot as the team's future head coach, long-term head coach? Or are they saying, you know, this is kind of a placeholder situation. We're going to go a completely different direction once the season's done, regardless of if this team, quote unquote, plays for pride, et cetera. Uh, to, to David Tepper's, the owner, David Tepper's credit, I've, he pretty much came out and said to Steve Wilkes, like, you know, you get a fair shot to earn the job long term, but you have very long, like, it's a long odds that you're going to be able to accomplish that, um, which I think everybody kind of understands that. And that's could it be it's kind of like an accepted truth for interim head coaches. But that kind of phrasing makes it seem like um, the Panthers have to do something like unprecedented to give him a mm. chance to stay. Right. Like if they're not pushing yeah. like if they if this season continues, even though they're playing better, but they end up the season like four and 13, five and 12 or something like that. He's not going to retain the head coach position, even if he does have the team playing better than they were before. I just think it's you know, he has to do something well above and beyond what any rational expectations are for him to keep the job. Yeah. And I mean, just thinking back to that Arizona situation when he was kind of, he was fired after one season for a guy in Cliff Kingsbury, who's kind of looks like a fraud. Like it's been kind of a weird, with, with weird trajectory for him. Too, right. Right? Yeah, yeah. I feel bad for him. And it's, it's unfortunate. Oh, Brian Rosen was that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate for him because he definitely got the short end of the stick in the Arizona situation. And, uh, I think, but I think he's kind of auditioning as well, right? Hmm. That like, you know, if he can get this team playing this well, even if they continue to lose, like they went from being a uh, dumpster fire, losing all of their games, to now they're like losing all their games still, but they're kind of spunky. Like that, I think that could be appealing for uh, teams that are like in disarray, kind of like where what we what we've had as in the Panthers in the past, where Ron Rivera left us for the Commanders, where like. The Panthers were fed up with Ron. Panthers fans were fed up with Ron Rivera as a coach, but a team like Washington, that was just like a organizational mess, was like so excited to have like a football, <laughs> like a like a, a football mind that has like NFL experience that can like get right. get the guys in order and like run a like a run a tight ship type of situation. I think Wilkes can have a similar career arc to that. John, you so, you were you were on a track with a question. We as we continued with the Wilkes discussion, what what was it you were gonna? Ask him. Yeah, so I think the most interesting player to me in this game is Derek Brown, just because of remembering who he was coming out of Auburn. Not the most productive pass rusher by any means coming out, but he was a nose tackle, so that kind of comes with the territory. Now in year three, he's, like, at least looking at PFF grades, he's by far the Panthers' best defensive player. Like, what have you seen from his progression just as a complete uh, pass rusher right now? Yeah, he's he doesn't put up, like, I think he, I don't, know off the top of my head what his sack numbers look like but he's become very consistently disruptive in in his third season so like in like you said defensive tackles are kind of hard to measure on stats um interior defensive linemen are just because it doesn't the position itself doesn't own itself to like pick up numbers but he's he requires double teams on pretty much every snap i don't have it handy but there was a a tweet a couple weeks ago that kind of had a scatter plot of like uh, frequency of double teams and how often these players were like winning their matchups. And Derek Brown was one of the top most frequently double teamed interior linemen. And he still had like an above average win rate. So he's become a very important piece of that defensive front. I mean, the Panthers as a whole are one of the better run stopping teams in the league. And he's kind of the foundational piece of that. 
So he's he's lived up to the billing as a run-stopping defensive tackle, and he's disruptive enough in the passing game, uh, even if he isn't putting up the sack numbers. Jonathan, before we get kind of some some of your keys and maybe a prediction to the game, mm-hmm. um, I, I'd, I'd like to kind of, you know, I'm, I'm looking back right now to the Panthers' draft picks of last mm-hmm. uh, this past year. You know, yeah. obviously they, you know, Coral now on IR, uh, and you've got a couple of guys that, uh, you know, Cade Mays, I know some Bengals fans had had their eyes on him potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the the crown jewel, Icky, uh, yeah. is, is the, the, the crown jewel there of the class. But can you just kind of update us on how some of these picks are doing? Uh, obviously, like I said, Coral now on on IR. And, um, you know, uh, not only how the, the, the class is shaping up right now, but also Coral's future. Um, I know we talked a little bit about Darnold and, and, and uh, you know, their current quarterback and whatnot, but the Coral's future with the team as well. Uh, I think, I mean, he's going to at least stick around for a little while. I think uh, he'd probably be the one in the, in this position instead of Walker, PJ Walker right now, if, if he didn't get hurt, um, PJ Walker started the season fourth on the depth chart. Uh, Corral didn't play very much in the preseason and the little bit that he did play, he looked really, really bad. Um, so, but he got hurt in his second, in his second game, I think. So we haven't really seen enough to make a judgment on that. I don't know what he looked like in practice, but uh, in the preseason games, he was not ready for the moment. You could tell the game was way too fast for him. He was really hesitant. I think in his first start, he like led a game winning drive, but it was a half the yards were picked up on defensive penalties. He went like one for nine for like two yards or something like that. Yeah. Um. So the only real draft pick that we can like that's played enough to really get a solid opinion on his icky and he's been fantastic. Uh, he struggled early on in the preseason in the first week or two of the regular season. Um, and he looked a little overwhelmed to be honest, but he's hit his stride. Like I think in the first week he got um, miles Garrett. There was a stretch in the third quarter where miles My- Garrett just ran around him twice in a row for sacks, like completely unimpeded almost. Um, and it was just like, Oh no, this, this might not be good. But, Mm. Ever since like week three or four or so, he's been one of like the better tackles in the league, especially for a rookie. And he's given up almost no pressure, not committing penalties, um, opening up space in the run game. Like he's been as good as advertised. So, and the Panthers have needed an, a good left tackle since Jordan Ghost retired, however long mm. ago that is. And he seems to be the guy. Miles Garrett typically does that. We saw that firsthand Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have plenty of experience dealing with Miles Garrett. But uh, as good as he is, it was not. It was discouraging seeing how uh, badly beat Icky got on a couple plays, like back to back. But he's he's figured it out now. It just took, you know, believe it or not, it took uh, it took a few weeks to adjust to being an NFL player for an offensive lineman that gets left out on an island a lot. John, you got another one for him before we get his keys, predictions, etc. Yeah, I usually like asking this question to to mm-hmm. people who cover teams that we don't. Uh, have a ton of familiarity with what is one player offense or defense doesn't matter who has made the biggest jump or has at least been the big best most positive surprise to you just from the season um the big one that we talk about a lot is frankie luvu uh he is a i don't even know like he's like a basically the panthers version of what the cowboys did with like micah parsons last year where he's a linebacker like he plays he plays middle linebacker he puts his hand in the dirt and rushes the passer sometimes. Um, the Panthers had a couple, they had a 
four game stretch where they scored three defensive touchdowns. One of them was a Frankie Louvu pick six. The other was a Frankie Louvu forced fumble that resulted in a, um, a score. He had a sack. He got a sack last week. Um, so he's obviously not nearly the caliber of player as a guy like Micah Parsons, but he gets deployed in a similar fashion where he rushes the passer, drops into coverage, plays middle linebacker. Um, and he has games where he's just involved in every single play and no one really knows who he is. And he's just, he's everywhere. So I think he'd be the big, he's the big kind of breakout player on this team. He's been hurt for a couple of weeks, but he was back last week. And, um, I think he'll be make, he'll make an impact on Sunday too. Well, that's one of the key players, obviously, then uh, that we would ask you about, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. So um, any others that you want to point out, please do. But how do you see this one playing out this week? The Panthers were oh so close to <laughs> beating the Falcons last week, but nobody seemed to want to win that game at some point. It was unbelievable. <laughs> right. Um, so, it yeah. Was very, I mean, uh, it was reminiscent of the Panthers and the Bengals in uh, 2014. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the same score, I think. Yeah, 37-34. Yeah. Oh, no, we tied, though. It was the Bengals and Panthers oh, tied right, that yeah. game. It was Nugent missed the kick. It was like the same distance kick or a very similar kick to the one that uh, Pinheiro missed to win the game for the Panthers this past Sunday. He just, like, shanked a, like a 39-yarder or something to win it at the end of overtime. Yeah, that's basically the game we had this past Sunday. Uh, but to answer your question, like with Luvu, I think Brian Burns is the other big one on defense. Um he when he gets sacks he gets sacks with like in less than two seconds like he when he wins his matchup he wins it fast um i know your offensive line has had its ups and downs this year uh offensively it's just going to be like pj walker throwing to dj Moore, pretty much every other pass and then deontay foreman's been really really good um Mm. so that's kind of the main the main focal points on each side of the ball and then the other the last one i'd say from the key player perspective is uh jc horn uh, last year's first round pick is becoming a star caliber cornerback. Hmm. And so he's, and he's been shadowing team's best receivers and following them to the slot occasionally and stuff like that. But uh, all that said, I still think the Bengals are going to win. Hmm. Okay. Okay. JC Horn, of course, son of former star saints wide receiver, Joe. Right. Horn, right? Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of names there, a lot of talent there. And I know, you know, it's kind of been a wild and, uh, not not the funnest of seasons, probably to watch and or cover from your perspective. Yeah. Um, the last but, couple of weeks have been better, but yeah, for the most yeah. part, not it, at least be interesting if you're going to be bad, you know. Yeah. Right, that's where we've been the last. Like last week was very interesting and bad. Right, it was it's much better. It was much better than the first couple of weeks where uh, we were just punting almost yeah. every possession and yeah. not like it, we didn't even get to watch the ball move or anything. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, uh, appreciate your time. Tell our listeners where they can find you on, on Twitter or other areas where they can find your work, listen to you, read your writing, any of that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I write for Cat Scratch Reader, which is the Panthers version um, of you know, the Panthers SB Nation blog. Same thing, the Panthers version of Cincy Jungle. Uh, we do a podcast over there called Keep Sounding. Um, I'm on that. And then I'm on Twitter as at John DeLong42. Um, I don't really tweet much, so don't really. Yeah, I mean, I'm cool with getting the followers, but you won't see a whole lot from me. But that's it's John J O N D E L O N G 42. Cool. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. I know you had a lot going on. um, And we'll, you know, if these two teams meet again down the road sometime soon, we'd we'd love to have you back on, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in the Super Bowl in the next, like, yeah, next year. Probably not this year. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. There you go. Appreciate it, Jonathan. Take care, man. You too. Thanks, guys. All right.
<laughs> Take care, everybody. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.